Welcome back, dear listener. Hi, I'm Mia, your host. And on this episode of Love Modern's new podcast series, Dateable, we're going to explore a third reason Mr. Fitzwilliam Darcy, the leading man in Jane Austen's 19th century novel, Pride and Prejudice, is or is not dateable in real life. If you have not already, be sure to listen to our first two episodes on Mr. Darcy so you'll be fully up to speed on where we left off. For early access to new episodes and for exclusive access to premium episodes, become a premium subscriber today. You can easily do so via the links in this episode's description or by visiting lovemodern.com. So, let's dive in, shall we? Let's explore a third reason Mr. Fitzwilliam Darcy is, or is not, dateable in real life. Be forewarned, though, there are spoilers ahead. Reason number three. Darcy's change in behavior is suspect. Now, in fiction, a good writer knows quite well the importance of creating a character arc in the plot, wherein the main characters change and mature for the better by story's end. After Lizzie rightfully rejects Fitzwilliam's rude, pompous, and entitled marriage proposal, a few months later, when their paths cross again, there is a significant change in his behavior. This happens when Lizzie is traveling cross-country with her beloved aunt and uncle, Mr. and Mrs. Gardner, on a leisurely road trip. Along the way, they end up passing by Fitzwilliam's palatial estate. On a whim and brimming with curiosity, her aunt and uncle want to visit the estate's beautiful mansion, Pemberley. Lizzie begrudgingly obliges, but she is praying with bated breath that Fitzwilliam is not home. She has not seen him since the day after she rejected his proposal. All her aunt and uncle know of Mr. Fitzwilliam Darcy is what Lizzie has told them in the past, that he is a rude, pompous, and disagreeable man-child whose company she cannot stand. They have no idea that Fitzwilliam proposed to her not too long ago, nor does anyone else in her family except her older sister, Jane. Now, in those days, it seems, you could visit and take a guided tour of a fancy residential estate like Pemberley, just as we do today at palatial museums like Hearst Castle in California. During their guided tour of Pemberley, their guide, the elderly housekeeper, tells them that the lord of the manor is not expected back till tomorrow. Lizzie breathes a huge sigh of relief. The last thing she wants is an awkward run-in at his house, or for him to think she is stalking or chasing after him. Yet, as they explore Pemberley's beautiful lake, grounds, and gardens, Lizzie is greeted by a most unwelcome sight. As Austin writes in chapter 43, Whilst wandering on in this slow manner, they were surprised by the sight of Mr. Darcy approaching them. Turns out, 
his business affairs caused him to return home early. Would you do me the honor of introducing me to your friends? He asks. This was a stroke of civility for which she was quite unprepared. She could hardly suppress a smile at his now seeking the acquaintance of those very people he had denigrated as her inferior relations in his marriage proposal to her. What will be his surprise when he knows who they are? She thinks. He takes them now for people of gentility. Now, as we discussed in our first episode on Mr. Darcy, Lizzie and Fitzwilliam are both members of the English gentry. Both of their fathers are men of the gentry class. Their mother's backgrounds, however, are quite different. Now, Fitzwilliam's mother was the daughter of an earl, a member of the noble class. She married way down in class when she said I do to Fitzwilliam's wealthy father. Meanwhile, Lizzie's mother, Mrs. Bennett, is the daughter of a lawyer in the professional class, or middle class. She actually married up. Lizzie's beloved uncle, Mr. Gardner, is also a lawyer, and a well-to-do one at that. Lizzie's mother and uncle's middle-class status by birth is what Fitzwilliam refers to in his marriage proposal as a core reason Lizzie and her family are socially inferior to him and his family, simply because his mother and her siblings are members of the English nobility, while Mrs. Bennet and her siblings are not. So now, at this very moment in the novel, he is meeting her inferior relatives for the very first time. And Lizzie is expecting the worst. The introduction was immediately made. And as she named the gardener's relationship to herself, she stole a sly look at Fitzwilliam to see how he bore it. And was not without the expectation of his decamping as fast as he could from such disgraceful companions. That he was surprised by the connection was evident. He sustained it, however, with fortitude. He walked with them and entered into conversation with Mr Gardner. Elizabeth could not but be pleased. It was consoling that Fitzwilliam should know she had some relations for whom there was no need to blush, as was the case with her mother, her father and her younger sisters. The conversation soon turned upon fishing and she heard Fitzwilliam invite her uncle with the greatest civility to fish there as often as he chose. Offering to supply him with fishing tackle and pointing out those parts of the stream where there was usually most sport. Mrs Gardner, who was walking arm in arm with Lizzie, gave her a look, expressive of her wonder. Fitzwilliam goes out of his way to make a better new impression on Lizzie and a favourable first impression on the gardeners. He treats her middle-class relatives with the utmost respect, courtesy, and hospitality. And Lizzie is stunned beyond belief. May I ask what's going on in your mind right now, Lizzie? Honestly, his behaviour is so strikingly altered. Never before have his manners been so dignified 
so genteel, so desirous to please. What could it possibly mean? It cannot be for me, or my sake, that his manners have softened. My rejection of his proposal could not work such a change as this. It is impossible that he should love me still. While Lizzie and the gardeners are in town, Fitzwilliam suddenly turns into the host with the mostest. He invites them to dine at Pemberley, he takes her uncle fishing, he eagerly introduces Lizzie to his beloved younger sister, Georgiana. His attentiveness to Lizzie is so striking that, to the gardeners, Fitzwilliam's romantic interest in their niece is crystal clear. It was evident that he was very much in love with her. Austin writes, But hate to break it to you, dear listener, this is patently false. At least it would be in the real world. Because Lizzie and Fitzwilliam barely know each other. They have barely said more than a few words to one another over the course of months. They have never spent any enjoyable one-on-one time together. They have never been on a date. I can't even name you any shared interests they have besides reading. Speaking of which, Fitzwilliam has no idea what her favorite book is, or her favorite song at a ball, or her favorite dinner dish, or color, or anything really, other than the fact that she likes to walk in the countryside when other ladies would never. Truth is, he barely knows her. So no, Fitzwilliam is not in love with Lizzie. He's just a man-child with a crush. He is simply and ardently infatuated. At Love Modern, we are on a mission to help make the world a more loving and lovable place. By sharing free, actionable, and honest love content and advice with you and listeners like you. We are 100% honest about real love and true love because we are 100% independent. Thanks to the support and patronage of our listeners and fans. If you enjoyed this episode and want to further empower our global love mission, we invite you to make a donation today on lovemodern.com. Now, after just two days in the presence of this new, improved, and visibly infatuated Mr. Darcy, Lizzie is swooning. And she's not alone. This is when many a reader of Pride and Prejudice starts to swoon. As Fitzwilliam seems to transform into a romantic hero of sorts. But his behavior is not swoonworthy, dear listener. Only now is Fitzwilliam behaving how a gentleman ought to behave. He deserves zero brownie points for suddenly acting like a polite, thoughtful, and mature adult with impeccable manners. Yet, truth be told, that's not the main reason readers and Lizzie start to swoon. They swoon because Fitzwilliam has chosen to change his odious behavior for her for Lizzie, presumably out of his heartfelt and enduring love, I mean infatuation, 
for her. But is that really romantic and swoon-worthy, or is it an undateable red flag? After just two days with this seemingly new and improved Mr. Darcy, Lizzie's mind is swirling. Now, I want you to listen carefully to what Jane Austen writes next. Listen for two alarming words in particular. She lay awake two whole hours, endeavouring to make out her feelings. She certainly did not hate him. No, hatred had vanished long ago, and she had almost as long been ashamed of ever feeling a dislike against him. But above all, there was a motive within her of goodwill, which could not be overlooked. It was gratitude. Gratitude not merely for having once loved her, but for loving her still well enough to forgive all the petulance and acrimony of her manner in rejecting him. Did you notice them, dear listener? But two alarming words. They are ashamed and gratitude. First, Lizzie is ashamed that she ever disliked Mr. Fitzwilliam Darcy. Now, ashamed is a strong word, and it is the opposite of how she should be feeling. Unbeknownst to many readers, the original working title of Pride and Prejudice was First Impressions. Lizzie's first, second, and numerous other impressions of Fitzwilliam, upon observing his actions in action, were not something she should be ashamed of. Not one bit. Let us not forget that the very first night they crossed paths, before they had said one word to one another, and before they had even been introduced to one another, Fitzwilliam looked her dead in the eye, then called her unattractive and undesirable in her presence. Let us also not forget that his manners were so rude and so arrogant that evening that, as Austin writes, He was the proudest, most disagreeable man in the world, and everybody hoped that he would never come there again. You cannot and should not feel ashamed for viewing a person in an unfavorable light when their actions and their behavior consistently give you good reason to view them in that very light. Darcy being nice and respectful to Lizzie and her middle-class relatives for just two days does not and cannot erase the truly unlikable way he behaved for weeks. In Lizzie's presence, in her family's presence, in her neighbor's presence, and even behind her and her sister's back. She should in no way feel ashamed for ever viewing him in a dim light. Now, as for the second word, gratitude, Lizzie is grateful that Fitzwilliam still loves her, I mean, is infatuated with her, even after she rejected his proposal. She seems to have quickly and conveniently forgotten just how rude, pompous, and entitled his proposal was, and the fact that it came out of nowhere after he made no formal effort to court her with her parents' blessing, which was a prerequisite 
in those days. And now, after just two days, she is grateful that he is acting like the perfect gentleman he should have been all along. She is grateful that he has seemingly changed into a normal human being for her. Unbeknownst to her, however, because the terms do not yet exist, Lizzie is the victim of negging followed by love bombing. Now, let's keep in mind that Lizzie is only 21 years old at this point in the novel, and her life is so sheltered, her worldview so parochial, that in essence, she has the emotional maturity of a teenager. She does not have much experience with the world or romantic experience with the opposite sex. She is smart and wise for her years, but she is still young and naive. So too was Jane Austen when she wrote the first draft of Pride and Prejudice in 1796, when she was only 20 years old. So because a man-child says I love you out of nowhere during his rude, pompous, and entitled marriage proposal, and then is nice to Lizzie and her relatives for two days straight, Lizzie suddenly abandons her scruples and her memory. So much so that she is mentally shaming herself and exalting him. She is giving him a standing ovation for doing what he should have been doing all along being a polite, amiable, and thoughtful gentleman. She thinks that because he changes his odious behavior for her, to impress her, to please her, that this means he must truly love her. She feels so special that a man as wealthy as he, a man whose uncle is an earl, and a man who owns such a gorgeous mansion, loves her so much that he starts acting like a normal gentleman in her presence. And she admonishes herself and feels guilty that she ever thought ill of him. But as we discussed in the last two episodes, Lizzie was 100% justified in rejecting his marriage proposal. Even her kind-hearted and good-natured older sister Jane says in chapter 40 that it was wrong of him to propose when and how he did. Heck, even Fitzwilliam admits in chapter 58 that his proposal was reprehensible. My behavior to you at the time merited the severest reproof. It was unpardonable. I cannot think of it without abhorrence. It is important to keep in mind that Fitzwilliam Darcy is nearly 30 years old. He has been friends with Charles Bingley for quite some time. Charles is a loving and lovable gent. He has long been a model for Fitzwilliam on how a true gentleman should behave in all company and situations. And yet, Fitzwilliam chooses not to emulate his best friend's behavior. Instead, he spends his days acting like a social pariah. In chapter 10, he even has the audacity to criticize Charles in front of others, which is rude, by the way, 
for being too kind and too good a friend. His criticism is so ignorant and dumb that Lizzie, who is sitting nearby, gives him the side eye. Fitzwilliam does not even emulate the way Charles courts Lizzie's sister, Jane, which is not perfect, but it is a million times better than how Fitzwilliam acted towards Lizzie before he proposed. And it was more in line with how a gentleman should court a lady in those days. For it was clear to everyone with ears and eyes that Charles was singularly interested in Jane from day one, both in thought and in dignified action. Instead of modeling his friend's noble behavior, Fitzwilliam convinces Charles not to court Jane anymore, saying that She does not appear to be as enamored with you as you are with her. Her family members are a constant embarrassment, and her silly mother seems to only be interested in your fortune. Charles mistakenly thinks that his posher, richer friend is smarter and wiser than he. Even though Darcy's manners, demeanor, and dumb opinions prove otherwise. So Charles makes the mistake of listening to his friend's ignorant, judgmental, lazy, and ill-informed advice. A friend, by the way, who is unliked everywhere he goes. A selfish friend who is clearly, secretly jealous that Charles is on the cusp of finding true love. Then, after Fitzwilliam convinces Charles to ghost Jane and skip town, and after Fitzwilliam continues to go out of his way to keep Charles and Jane apart, and even brags about his role in doing so, he then turns around and proposes to her sister Lizzie, who was 100% uninterested in him at that point. My, oh my, dear listener, the hypocrisy is real with this one. Not only is Fitzwilliam a bad friend spewing ignorant and hypocritical love advice, he also does not feel the need to be less pompous or less rude or less lazy or less entitled until after Lizzie rejects his impulsive marriage proposal. Later in the novel, after some self-reflection, Fitzwilliam confides in Lizzie that, supposedly, her rejection helped him see the light. I have been a selfish being all my life. As a child, I was taught what was right, but I was not taught to correct my temper. I was given good principles, but left to follow them in pride and conceit. Unfortunately, I was spoiled by my parents, who taught me to be selfish and overbearing, to care for none beyond my own family circle, to think meanly of all the rest of the world, at least to think meanly of their sense and worth compared with my own. Now, riddle me this, dear listener. If Lizzie had married someone else soon after his proposal, would Fitzwilliam have continued to be a new man? Or would he have reverted back to his old ways? Perhaps thinking to himself, Being a better person did not help me win the lady in the end, so what would be the point? In real life, when a guy or gal with numerous undateable qualities suddenly starts acting different around you because they like you and want to impress you 
and ingratiate themselves to you, that is not the time to swoon. Instead, this is the time to be cautiously suspicious. Because in the real world, an undateable person can easily change their ways or put on an act temporarily to get what they want. Tune in next week when we'll explore whether Fitzwilliam's change in behavior is for real or only temporary. Be sure to tap the follow button so you will be notified when the next episode debuts. Or you can unlock and enjoy early access to listen to episode four right now by joining our podcast family as a premium subscriber. You can easily do so via the links in this episode's description or by visiting lovemodern.com, where you can also make a donation today to support our global love mission. Till next time, I wish you a beautiful day, a wonderful week, and a more loving and lovable life.